Hey guys, uh, super excited about the uh, uh, talk I gave at ComplexCon with Biggs and Karen Sybil. Uh, got into a lot of subjects, uh, a lot about culture, a lot about entrepreneurship, a lot about uh, the state of the union of judgment and personal brands and how uh, winners navigate and just have a funny feeling a lot of people will get a ton of value out of this one. So sit back, enjoy. Uh, this one will run a little bit and um, please hit me up on Twitter, Gary B-E-E with any comments from today's episode. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be Right now, I think it's cooler than ever to be an entrepreneur, especially on social media. What is an entrepreneur? When you say things like athlete or artist or musician, it's really easy to understand what that is. But I think entrepreneur can be kind of vague. Can you guys define what an entrepreneur is? I mean, I think it's super simple. It's somebody who's trying to build a monetizable thing for themselves and live their life against that thing. I don't think it's confusing. I just think there's a bunch of people that are full of shit playing within it. By the way, no different than the person that says they're gonna be a rapper but never goes to the studio. No different than somebody who says they're gonna be in the NBA but aren't taking a thousand free throws every morning before the bus gets there. I don't think, it, I don't think there's any confusion in the definition. You can Google that shit. I think it's the way that it got cool so everybody likes to say it and they think printing some word they made up on a t-shirt and making 50 of them makes them supreme overnight. Mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not a fad. It just, it's white hot right now. Um, but I think when we start realizing you can be an entrepreneur who makes $93,000 a year selling honey and being very happy because you don't need to live a billion dollar lifestyle, yeah. I actually think it's got much more in it. But right now we're not talking about practicality. Everybody thinks you have to make millions and billions. A lot of people are making $86,000 a year at a job they hate Imagine making 79,000 a year selling something you love. That doesn't mean that you're gonna own Ferraris and 16 homes, but happiness needs to be the agenda, not extra zeros in your bank account. I definitely feel like entrepreneurship, like Gary said, has been around for a very long time. Social media now has heightened it, where you know people are now making it seem like it's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to chase your dreams and to, to put passion behind Um, something that's important that you love. The people who really care about it will continue to succeed. You'll see it in the long run. And then the people who are just full of shit, like he said, will eventually go back to the job and the norm and the X, Y, Z. You know, I look at the good in it, that social media is helping push certain things because my niece has um, over a million followers on YouTube. And this is something she just unwraps um, she does unboxings, mm-hmm. so it works for her, and she gets to monetize her YouTube platform. And then she goes to school, makes her money, and, and she's an entrepreneur at the age of 13. So I, I love it. She's not trying to make millions of dollars. It's, hey, I get gifts, I open it, you know, I put it on my YouTube, I have conversations, and she makes money off of it. Good for her. Yeah. To echo what they said, but basically, I think it's just really working for yourself, right? Building a business, so as early as Six years old, I guess I was an entrepreneur because I was packing bags, right? And then I sold newspapers, right? So I was trying to do something to monetize and make money for myself. And I think that it's a good thing with the social uh, networks because before this, you you had to read or, you know, kind of figure out how to get in the business for yourself. But now 
you can see the day-to-day -day lives of some people who've made it successful, and you can see exactly what they're doing and how they got there. Um, how do each of you define culture, and what is the relationship between culture and business? I, you know, when I, when I hear people speak about culture, uh, I, I see them using it as a slang term for what's popular or what's the mood or where the attention is. And then the way, to answer your question, the way that translates into business is, to me, it's, it's, a, it's a pulse on the attention of society, and either you know how to ride it or you get run over by it. Yeah. A lot of people, so a lot of big businesses want to integrate culture into their business, right, for obvious reasons. At yeah. what point is a business or a celebrity or something being a culture vulture, and at what point, what's the line of embracing culture and sort of exploiting it? When you pull the authenticity out of it, then it becomes a culture vulture or you're just compromising the integrity of your brand. So you have to be true to yourself and with those strategic partnerships or relationships with brands, it has to be something that's seamless. So a lot of times people try to step outside of that because they want to try to jump into um, and get, think they're getting a bigger audience instead of, you know, they cross over instead of trying to bring pop culture to where they're at and being authentic to who they are. The great thing about this, listen, anybody in this audience right now is decent to very good at sniffing out bullshit. And I think that radar has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger because of the way people consume content and all the options we have to consume content. I'm old, we had 13 channels, then we had 36. Now there's unlimited content. If something doesn't feel right, there's 75,000 other slight variations of the same thing, and you're gonna always chase the light of truth because that's always gonna make you feel better because deep down, most people don't wanna get tricked. It's honestly just about a company or a brand just being very organic because people, like you said, can sniff it out and can see the bullshit. Like when I'm on social media and I see one of these food companies talk like somebody who's from an urban neighborhood, that's bullshit to me. I'm like, I know you're doing this for retweets and to be a part of a conversation or be a part of like black Twitter, but I know the person who's sitting in this office doesn't look like me. They don't have the vernacular like me. Things like that, you can, you can sense out. People see the bullshit. And for me, when I partner with certain brands, to me, I think long-term. How do I build something out with them? Because I'm never about, I'm never gonna step over a dollar to pick up a nickel. Talk to me if you wanna build out a whole thing. Um, a lot of influencers now don't understand that. They just like, oh, I'm gonna just do this. I'm a flat tummy tee, I'm gonna do this, and da da da, fashion over, nothing wrong with it. You know, some people a check is a check, but it's just really understanding like you're, you're diminishing your brand. Any advice that you would give someone starting a new brand or a new artist on how to gain that self-awareness? Um, well, I think one, like what I was saying, to take advantage of, you gotta see where you're at in the moment, right? If something hot, say for example, you have a new single that comes out, right? And then you wanna strike wise hot. So at that same time, you wanna, you wanna take advantage of what's, what can happen in the future, right? But, so I'm working, um, you know, talking to an artist right now who I believe, you know, uh, coincidentally is the best breakout artist of 2018, St. John and he doesn't do any money bags, right? He's not come, going doing any walkthroughs or anything. He, he performs in festivals and that's it. That's his thing. And he's like, look, I'm gonna go up there. There's no dancers. I'm gonna go perform, let everybody know who I am. And then so they can, they can buy into exactly what I'm bringing to the table. And then at the same time, he's thinking about his next album, his third and fourth album as well. It's like, how do I take advantage of this in the space that I'm at and connect with the right people and brands? I'm really big on understanding who your audience is 
and who's following you, why they're following you. I am big into looking into my analytics. You know, Twitter provides it for you now, Instagram does, Facebook. So then I know moving forward, if a company or somebody reaches out to me, does it make sense? You know, um, knowing, knowing what my audience is looking for from me. Yeah, it's interesting. Because there's such a balance between like trying to adjust to what's an opportunity now and staying true to what you believe in that could be an opportunity later. It's, but you know what's funny? Even if it doesn't end up being an opportunity later and, and the money doesn't flow in that genre, you need to start spending time with 70, 80, 90 year olds. People don't regret the things that you think they regret. They regret not being true to themselves. They regret you know, so many things that don't have to do with the money. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you just love making jam, and jam making never pops in culture, it's okay, you live your life in a way that was happy, and if you can balance your budget and not need stuff, you can get real happy for a long time. At Rockefeller, um, even some of the artists that we had didn't make it that big because we let them be exactly who they were. I just talked about this the other day because we could have signed Mace early on. We couldn't have made Mace with Puff made Mace because we wouldn't have put the shiny suit on him and did what he did. Not to say it wasn't, it wasn't a good move, but we didn't do that at Rockefeller. It was like, who are you, what's your audience, and stay true to that. I always use this, this I call it the soldier boy effect. No disrespect to him, but when he first came out, you know, he, this was like LimeWire and certain things. He tricked us into listening to his music. That was his way of, of doing his guerrilla marketing. Because he would put like 50 cent Yeah, something, like whatever the hottest song. song was, he That's would... Smart. He would put his record as that, and then here he comes out. He comes out with this record. It's different with the white T-shirt and the glasses and everything else. We loved him for it. He did incredibly well. But then when he turned into this other musician, where it's like whatever was hot, if Big Sean is hot, I'm going to pretend to be Big Sean. We love Chief Keef at the time. I'm going to be Draco Soldier Boy. And none of that stuff sticked. So it's like it's hard for him now as opposed to when he first started, he was himself, he was organic and it was just like it was cute, it was fun and we got to enjoy him. But then when he wanted to become these other people and whatever was happening at the moment, it never, it never worked for him. Listen, come into it organic, build your fan base, let people see you for who you are and let them gravitate towards that as opposed to what's happening at the moment. Because a lot of artists I work with, they don't even listen to the radio. Like Lil Wayne for one does not know what's happening in culture because he's not listening to other people's music. He's like, I don't care what XYZ is doing. I don't, I don't, I don't care. You know, he has to focus on himself and, that, and that's really uh, an important thing. It is cool because you can create content on all these different platforms for free like you never could, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is there is so much noise. Mm -hmm. Any tips on how to make an impact with all that noise? Everyone's like, Gary, it's so hard because there's so many people doing it. I'm like, that's supply and demand. Yeah. Like, you want to live a life where you have a million dollars? You should be better than everybody else at your thing. Um, to me, the way you break out is in uniqueness. I think so many people, I, I didn't know that about Wheezy, but like, I, I don't consume content at all. I've never, I've written way more books about business than I've read. Like, I don't consume, I consume people consuming. I spend an amazing amount of time reading comments about, about other people's content. I, like, I remember I read thousands of comments about Cardi B before I allowed myself to listen to her music because I was fascinated by the reaction of 
the community. Mm -hmm. And then I went in contextually that way and would listen. And so I remember that moment from not too long ago and I, I think there's a strength in that because I'm sure what you're alluding to is it allows you not to be affected. You know, a lot of people like, they're like, I love your quotes. I'm like, I'm not saying anything special. I'm saying the shit that you all know. I just don't know how the normal way to say it. The biggest strength you have is your subtleties. And I think everybody tries to become vanilla. They're like, Gary Vee, what the fuck are you doing garage selling? That makes you look ridiculous. I'm like, you don't understand, that's my strength, right? This community doesn't do that, but my Silicon Valley elitist friends think it's stupid. And I'm like, that's my truth. I fucking love to garage shell, dick. <laughs> Reselling has become a massive, massive business. What's the difference between a kid who resells sneakers uh, and the founder of a startup? Is there a difference? Um, I don't know if it's a difference. I think it's both, they're both hustlers, right? And that, that kid is becoming an entrepreneur, right? What, what we talked about early um, on this topic. But, uh, I mean, people have found, found ways to monetize that to build, get money to build businesses as well. It just hit a billion dollars, right? This industry of resale and it's non-existent in Asia, which is amazing to me. This is a space that's really growing. A reseller makes money and I think 99% of startup kids lose money. Mm -hmm. I've got an idea, give me a million dollars on a $4 million, $5 million valuation and I'm gonna lose money every month for two years and then try to raise more money again. So when I look at the kids that DM me that are flipping or garage selling or just straight hustling, they're making $300 a week, $900 a week, $4,000 a month. And then when I see the startup kids, because all my investing career, who I talk to in email, they're losing 300,000 a month, 200,000 a month. So I think there's a massive difference between flippers and startup founders. One makes fucking money, one's losing money. I want to talk about losses. It depends what a loss is to you. So for me, it's, it's, it's like a seesaw. Where if I'm winning in one thing, I'm losing in another. And the thing I'm losing in is, is my family. I don't get to see that me sitting here right now is taken away from me being with my niece or my nephew. You know, I have two older brothers who have great careers. When they come home, they come home, they go downstairs to their man cave, they play video games, they don't really gotta worry about their kids. I don't have the same luxury. So when I leave one area of work, I come home to another thing. But now I've created a trifecta, which is I have um, my health, um, my prayer, which is making sure I go to church and, and putting that spiritualness back into myself. And then just as far as like my mental and getting a therapist, because at times this shit can really, no offense, it can suck. Um, and it's just, just my biggest gripe is just time. Because at the end of the day, you ask yourself, was it worth it? it? I know it is worth it, pursuing my dreams and understanding this is something I want to do. I'm living the life that I set forth for myself. But at the same time, I'm missing Thanksgiving or Christmas or X, Y, Z or, and things like that. I've lost over and over and over again. But it's, um, for me, it's a learning curve. And I take advantage of that so I know what not to do the next um, time. I think one of the faults that people uh, what they do is they don't do enough due diligence about the business that they're trying to get into. And they look at the internet or something and see somebody with clothes and like, oh, I, I, I'm starting a clothing line because I went to this store down the block and I printed 100 shirts and now I'm selling shirts. I'm like, you know, do you understand the cost? How much is gonna, you know, how long is gonna take you to sell that? Oh, you wanna sell it on online, Shopify, there's shipping costs, there's warehouse costs. And then, you know, they look at these influencers 
and say, okay, I'm gonna put it on somebody and then they think it's just gonna automatically sell. You look at the engagement and they have two, uh, uh, two comments. So obviously all of that stuff is bought. So you gotta pay attention to everything that you're doing and the people that you're trying to connect with at the same time. I love losing. I think one of the reasons that I'm concerned about entrepreneurship as a label right now is you have a lot of people that played within the system and were good students but aren't good entrepreneurs because we coddle you know, our society and the entitlement is enormous and eighth place trophies and people are scared of losing. They're worried about other people's judgment about their losses. They're my L's. I'm not worried about what your opinions are. I don't give a fuck what you think about me passing on Uber twice in the angel round and losing out on 300 million, right? If I put in my normal 50, that would have been 300 million. That's a huge business loss, but that's my loss. I'm not worried about what other people have to say about it. And so I think that we need to start embracing L's. Like everybody thinks like they've got to level up. They're never assessing where they're at or how they feel about it. The amount of people that I've watched go from extreme happiness with a business that was doing 400,000 in profit, but then they leveled up, they hired more people, they did this, and now they're devastatingly unhappy, but it's only making 513 in that delta. Is, it's, you know, and, and that's why I keep trying to talk about this. Like, yeah. no, they shouldn't. The internet is a baby. Like, reselling isn't going anywhere. Mapping of the ability to use information and technology to make arbitrages is just starting. And so I think people need to wake up and understand that. Brands are starting to sort of mean less and less because what they were able to do before social media is curate things for you and say, this is how you should dress, this is who you should listen to, this is the hot new artist, whatever, whatever. Now you can go directly to that hot new artist, see him in the studio wearing whatever brand he legitimately likes, yeah. and people are able to go straight to people. So personal brands are mattering more than ever. I know you know this. Direct to consumer is the way. Before you had to go into federated or clothing stores, right? And people had street teams and way to promote things. But now it's like, do I spend that $10,000 on a billboard or do I spend it on an SEO with people Googling something that my brand pops up, right? So they can go straight to uh, my website and buy it. And then also the gift of discovery, which is what the internet offers now, right? Because now you can start seeing things for yourself instead of having to go out. You can see millions of people that's having this one product and you're like, what's going on? And, and that curiosity builds, right? So um, brick and mortar, you know, like what Supreme's doing, it, you know, manufacturers going straight into their, into their brick and mortar stores um, is, an, you know, is, the, is the wave of the future. And with the brands, I think with Instagram and these other social uh, platforms, they, they offer accessibility. Brands couldn't get to uh, Naomi Campbell or, you know, Abella Hadid before. Now they just DM them. Yeah, right? So now it's like, oh shit, let me see if she'll wear this Fashion Nova, whatever it is, right? So and it's you got brands like that that's able to spread across and then have direct access to people and, you know, and, and able to build platforms off of that. Um, and then do you think that like anyone, let's say if there's a lot of people here that probably, like I said, want to start brands or want to do those sort of things, is starting to build a personal brand and letting people know the person behind the business an absolute must or not necessarily? I don't, I don't think it's a must. I mean, I could talk about it. I've been a silent partner for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm saying I did have to come out when I, when I didn't have the partners, right? There's no more Jay-Z and there's no more Damon or Kanye and things like that. So I had to think about how do I want my, how do I want to portray my brands and which ones that I want to say I'm connected to. 
Um, but there are ways to do it with subtle advertising where you don't have to be the face of the brand as well. Um, so I did that successfully for a long time and bring ideas to the table and also have strategic partners. So I think um, one thing that's missing too because people put the transaction in front, I put the relationship in front. So at this point, I only want to be in business with people who I want to be in relationship with, right? Is, is you know, this the person I want to hang out with afterwards or have them come over to my house and have breakfast with? At this time, you know, at this point in my life, I'm very comfortable in that and not take, you know, trying to take advantage of a bag or trying to get some money if somebody's throwing something because I'm like, it's, that's not what I want to do. Leverage. And I think that even early on when starting business, you should really focus on building relationship and really getting to know your partner and what they bring to the table rather than just the transaction. Because when that transaction's um, gone, what do you have? Yeah. It's honestly what you're comfortable with. When I was at Beats by Dre, we had various headphones with like Justin Bieber, with Diddy, with Lady Gaga. There'd be, there'd be people who would love the headphone. They're like, listen, I don't want to wear it. And it's like, why? Because I'm not a Justin Bieber fan. I'm like, but you like purple or you like white. And they're like, well, I don't want to wear a Justin Bieber headphone. So you have to understand that's going to come with it. Sometimes people may love the brand, but they, they don't like the person who may, or they may not be 100% sold on a person associated with it. You know, I'm okay with a brand now that I have that most people don't even know I sold to Amazon um, at the beginning of the year for $4 million. I just separate. It lives on its own. It has its own voice. Everything else, it, it, it runs separately from Karen Civil, where I don't have to wake up every day and, and fill my time like, hey, make sure you're eating this or do this or run to Amazon. I keep it on two separate entities so it has two different voices. But again, there are people now who are like, hey, I want you to know I'm behind the brand or XYZ and people buy into that. It, it works in their favor and that's fine. But again, it's what you're comfortable with doing. I foremost, I make it about my brand first. I don't really need you to know my day to day or XYZ, but I just make it about my brand first. It's just a lucrative, ridiculously amazing opportunity. And then when people are like, oh, this and that, I'm like, they're like, my time. I'm like, your time ain't worth shit. The people that complain about time a lot of times to me, I'm always fascinated by. Some people are busy and trying to be strategic about their time. Other people are complaining about time when their time's not worth anything. Yeah. That fucking pisses me off. You know? Because yeah. they yeah. want something, but they're like being fancy with their time, acting like, they're not, like what are you doing if you're just complaining? So I think building a personal brand is just a huge opportunity. It costs zero. Yeah. Agreed. I wouldn't have graduated high school if this shit was all around. <laughs> you know, seriously. Like the, 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 the things at fingertips now are just remarkable. So I just think it, nothing's a necessity just when there's out, like because by the way, it's less and less a novelty. Everybody who was born yesterday is gonna only live in a world of you building a reputation. I love when people get mad at personal brand as a term. Yeah. Or influencer as a term. People love debating semantics. This is called reputation. It ran the world forever and it always will. Now everybody's got a shot and you can see it. And that's it. <laughs>